Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any kind of questions, comments, or concerns that you might have about your plant material. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, I yes, see you getting ready to go. No, uh, I'm good. Is your stove electric? Yes. It is? Yes. I'll tell you what. We warmed our house up because we did a cleaning of our stove. Real good idea. You know, I mean, it was like unbelievably warm. And yeah. It's, I mean, it stays intensely hot for about uh, two hours plus. Great idea. So, <laughs> yeah, because it gets like 800 degrees or yeah, something crazy. Yeah, I don't know crazy. what it is. It's yeah. Like, it has an automatic lock, so you can't mm-hmm. even open the thing up. And right. So I thought... Well, you know, we got some uh, old pizza cheese in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well go ahead and do this, and so that's what we did. That's a great idea. I think that you know, you're going to find more people doing that next time it gets really cold. Might as well. Well, hopefully we won't have to do it again this year. Gosh, I hope not. Because, I, I mean, we had 13 days in a row of mm-hmm. below freezing, and that's yeah. the first time since, like, uh, I think 2017, 2018, that we've had that kind of stretch. Isn't it nice, though, when it gets up to, like, 28 and it's sunny. I went out the other day when I think it was 24 and sunny and it felt there was no breeze, which is the main thing. Absolutely. It felt great. Right. It's like, oh, bring it on. So I can't <laughs> wait for Tuesday's four, uh, 57. That's Man. Incredible. I'm going to get out the beach here. <laughs> Sit on the back porch, maybe in a little leftover snow. I'll think it's sand, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. We actually do have pictures from Florida. Was it two years ago we went in December? And it's really funny because we're on the white beaches of Destin area, you know, and we're just bundled up. And then in the background, this guy walks by in shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> it looks like we're in Alaska. And then this guy walks by in a shirt. It was brutally cold. But anyway, yeah, so beach chairs Tuesday. Got it. Absolutely. Yes. Sounds good. Folks, it is Saturday morning. Let's get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's going on in your landscape. How about... Uh, your house plants, how are they doing? As I walk through the the area here around Intercom, all the various stations, uh, as I reported before, there's still one plant here that is totally dead. I don't know why they haven't thrown it away yet, but uh, most of the other ones that have died because there's nobody coming in to take care of them. I don't know why they don't have me do it, but uh, 
I guess they can't afford me. I'm very, very expensive. No, who cares? Anyway, so it's, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff in your house plants. If you start to see some new growth, this is the time when you want to start fertilizing them. If you're not seeing any new growth on your house plants at all, don't start fertilizing yet. You want to force growth, uh, let's say, ahead of schedule. And uh, should you be outside today? Yes, take a look outside. And uh, just realize that if you put some de-icers down on your sidewalks and driveways and things like that, and you're going to shovel it to get rid of it, you know, even though it's going to be melting in a couple days, don't throw it where there's any kind of broadleaf evergreens or any kind of evergreens at all, really, for the most part, because they don't like that alkalinity. They like acidity. And if you do, then you're going to have to go and get some uh, sulfur and counteract that alkalinity of the de-icer. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home and uh, wherever you happen to be listening. And a very uh, another very important player is Alex. He's producing, so when you call, he answers the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. I'm Mike Miller, doing the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I do landscape consultations. And the last... <laughs> I'll tell you this cold spell, I've had several consultations that uh, we've just had to reschedule because people just really don't want to be outside when it's like single digits talking about their plant material. And especially once the snow is there, it's a little bit tough to see, you know, the ground and everything else. So just kind of keep that in mind. But uh, it looks like we're going to get back on schedule or I'm going to. So it's called uh, a walk and talk. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, my email and phone number is there. And so, well, anyway, let's get moving. Uh, the Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, I woke up, and I turned on the computer, and I saw, wow, it's double digits. It's really warm. So, anyway, I thought the best place to go to contrast this weather or one of the best places, would be the Boathouse in Crondelet Park. And the Boathouse is lit with a nice, warming, yellowish lights, which was great to see. And surrounding deciduous and evergreen trees and shrubs, uh, they were being softened by the, and by the lights and everything else. Historic architecture of the Boathouse, nearby pavilions and everything else, just add to the setting on the lake. The fountain was just shooting and preventing the lake from overfreezing entirely. But uh, it was really kind of nice. It was high in the sky. It was neat to see. The fishing docks or water, uh, you know, waterside pavilions and everything else create great shadows on the water. And lighting gives another soft touch to the walkway that goes all the way around the lake's edge. And though the roads and access and everything else in Cronlet Park, most of them are closed, there is a way to get, you know, to get into it you get off Grand Avenue, you can kind of wander, wind your way around and then come back out and uh, you go past the boathouse and you end, end up back on Grand. So you kind of make a loop through there. Uh, even though it was pretty cold, it was still really, really, really dark. Uh, the crows were up and they were heading and I don't know exactly where they head, but they always seem to go the same direction. And it was a beautiful morning, but I'm telling you, I'm ready to kiss wintertime goodbye so thank goodness we're going to get a break uh, mike miller km west garden hotline back after these messages welcome back to the st louis composting garden hotline once again mike miller on kmox 
Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This cold stretch, I'm curious. I always plant the bulbs that I buy. I get them from Operation Brightside. They always do, they do great. I put them in pots, so the majority of the time they do fantastic. This year, I'm curious. I'm you know, there's no way to know if they're going to make it through this cold spell. Because I, th- you know, a couple years ago, I can't remember when it was when it really got super cold. That a lot of the bulbs froze on the in the pots because in the ground is much more insulation than there is going to be in a pot that sits above the ground. So I'm going to have to sit there and just kind of. <sighs> pant and wait to see if uh, my tulips and daffodils are going to be able to survive. It's just amazing, you know, this weather and everything else. As I look out at the pots, you know, I don't know how much snow that you actually got where you live, but uh, above the pots, there's like six, six plus inches of snow. So that's a lot of snow and the snow helps insulate the top, but the sides, that's where the thing might be totally frozen. So I'm going to have to just kind of wait and see. Let's head over to Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I can't hear her. Hello, Jan. I'm just hearing static. Oh, let's go to Ron. Sorry, Jan. Hello, Mike. Hi. Yes. Uh, hey, uh, with all this freezing weather, zero degrees night after night, I wonder how deep does the ground freeze? It just depends upon the location and everything else, but uh, probably you're going to get uh, at least the probably top three or four inches is going to be frozen. Oh. So not a foot or two. No, 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 nothing like that. It's not. It hasn't been that cold for that extended period of time. So okay. I mean, uh, I'll go. You know, generally I just go out after we've had a cold spell like this. And today I'm going to be outside. You know, doing some stuff in the yard. I'm going to just take a spade and drive it into the ground and see how far down it goes or if it goes down Uh at all. So. Okay, it, well, thank you. Yeah, and it's going to be, you know, it depends upon exposure. If you live in the city, if you live, you know, north-facing hill or whatever it happens to be. So, well, How about if it, uh, near the base of a house, near the foundation of a house? Would that make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. You probably, I don't even know if you're going to have the top inch or so within, the, you know, a couple feet of the house. Oh. That would be frozen. It might be even less than that. It just, you know, it okay. just depends, again, on the exposure. The north side of your house... It's going to be different than the south side because of the sun and everything right. else. So even though it's super right. cold, the sun makes a big, big difference. Well, I was I was concerned about my water pipe, and I don't know just exactly where it is located in relation to the, the edge, you know, the edge of the foundation. Right. But, uh, but I, I would think your water lines are going to be deep enough that if it freezes that deep, then we have had a super horrible situation so I, you know, water lines freezing uh, in the ground. I don't think that's really going to happen. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Yeah, and I'm certainly Goodbye. no expert, and yeah. you know about you know related <laughs> yeah. to that. But uh, it's if it gets that cold, it's going to be freaky. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. Goodbye. Thanks, Ron. And now let's go to Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. Good morning. How are you? Very good. 
Uh, I have a magnavilia plant, and I had it outside during the summer and fall, and it was beautiful, blooming. And then I brought it in for the winter, and uh, it's gradually going downhill. And uh, I don't know whether I should trim it back. It was It's tall. It's about, I don't know, at least four feet tall, if mm-hmm. not taller. And do I trim it back and all of the growth that's there, or what? How, how do I make it survive for another month? Well, the Mandevilla is not, a, you know, it doesn't really like houses. And uh, so they're great, like oh. where you had them in the outdoors and stuff like that. But they're kind of like several different types of tropical plants. Hibiscus is another one. You bring them inside, and even if you put them in sun or you have them on your grow lights and everything else, the Mandevilla vine will not do all that well. I've grown them a couple times, and basically the same thing that's happened to you happened to me. And uh, so it doesn't matter what kind of experts you are or anything else. It's just the sort of the genetics. You could go ahead and cut it back and uh, just kind of don't do any kind of watering, don't do any kind of fertilizing, and just kind of let it just sit and go more or less dormant. I shouldn't say don't do any watering. You should just do a little bit just to keep the soil slightly damp and then move it outside. You're not going to be able to move it outside for probably until mid to late April. If you put it out any sooner, okay. there might be a late frost, and that could just okay. damage the, you know, any kind of new growth that might have occurred. Okay, very good. Well, I, uh, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful gift, and I, I hate to look like I hadn't taken proper care of it. It so. has nothing to do with you. you. I'm sure you gave it great care. It's just that particular plant, they're spectacular. There's no getting around it. And uh, they just, uh, you know, the humidity or lack of or anything else indoors and the amount of light is just not to their advantage. Okay. Well, and thank you for all of your dedication and sharing the knowledge and helping us all get along with these beautiful plants. (laughs) Well, thanks. All right. Okay. Have, Have a good day. Yes, you too. And thanks for having me on your show. And uh, let's head now over to Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have two questions on uh, houseplants. I have oxalis, the shamrock. Yeah, oxalis. Yeah, okay. And they do great blooming in my window and all. Right. But they seem to grow out of the dirt. Do I add more dirt on top? No, just leave them alone. The little uh, root-looking things? Yeah, just leave it alone. Don't... You start burying stuff like that, and you you potentially could cause more problems than good. Okay. So uh, these are like maybe ten or fifteen years old, and they still wow. keep blooming. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I like them. <laughs> the other thing is Christmas cactus. I have one that my mother-in-law had. We moved in this house in '88, and it was just a stub of a end of a plant in a dried dish. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I have split it about six times. And it's huge. What on earth do you are you supposed? I know I'm doing something right because they bloom, but what do you um, if I need to replant them? What kind of mix do I need? You need probably go to your favorite garden center and get a you know a cactus mix. Oh, so, they do make one. Okay. Yes. So I'm not saying every garden center is going to have it, but the majority of let's say year-round garden centers should. And it's a blend of it's potting you know potting mix plus sand and a few other things too. So it's just really well drained. And it doesn't retain a whole lot of moisture. Okay. And is it true that there's 
not just cactus for Christmas. They bloom other times of the year because mine are all confused. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, exposure is going to have a lot to do with it, but there are a couple different varieties. There's one in theory that genetically is supposed to be blooming at, at Thanksgiving time versus Christmas time. So in... With like I said, exposure is going to cause a change of actually when they're going to be, you know, flowering and whatever kind of sequence or whether they're going to flower multiple times. So it's just, uh, you know, more or less a roll of the dice. Oh, okay. All right, that's all I needed. Thank you very much. Yep. Great. Thanks. Um. Bye. See you, Peggy. And now let's head over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. This is a uh, Steve from Springfield, Missouri, calling. Yeah. Hi. I- I've listened all the time and finally got a question in. With all this snow, I'm wondering, besides the moisture that's added to the to the soil, does the extra nitrogen have any impact uh, in planting and, and feeding and all that? And also, do we wait for the snow to melt before we start to fertilize uh, lawns and things like that? Yeah, don't uh, definitely don't do any fertilizing, you know, when there's, there's snow there because it's spreading it and everything else is going to mix it, you know. Even though generally with fertilizing – you, if you're using a granular type, then you're going to water it in afterwards anyway. But, uh, you know, it's as far as, I forget what the first first part of your question was. Or related to the, nitrogen. Uh, extra nitrogen. Yeah, nitrogen yeah. basically is, you know, if it comes down even in, in rain or whatever, it only stays down on the ground for a few days, and then it goes back up in the, the air as, you know, part of the air atmosphere. Okay. So there's okay. no, you know, there's no real advantage to have, having snow on the ground in relationship to, you know, nitrogen or any other kind of nutrients. Okay. Well, I've been listening to your show for a long time. I appreciate it. I, I grow a lot of roses. I'm an old German from the Belleville area and then moved on here about 35 years ago. Wow. So, uh, I, I got about, oh, 36 or so uh, rose, rose bushes that I keep track of so it's been a lot of fun yeah so do you grow the hybrid teas and grandiflores or do you grow shrubs and all different kinds oh just uh, just about everything uh, really including not including knockouts i do some knockouts i got some little uh, minis um which are easy to tend to and easy to to care for and right. then i also have you know hybrids and grandiflores and stuff like that well that's impressive yeah, I learned it from my dad. He had a lot of roses when when uh, he was uh, doing his thing, but he's getting older now and had to take them all out. And, um, and I left them all. I left a bunch in an old house that we sold, and and they just kind of let them shrivel and die up. It yeah. kind of made me mad. But uh, <laughs> I'm doing better here now. We're doing better over here. Oh, well, so. great. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having thanks me on so. your show. Uh huh. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you do grow grapes or the raspberries and black raspberries and everything else, this is the month where you really want to, you know, get out there, you know, maybe not today or real soon when you want to do the pruning on those things. So with the old, with the raspberries and black raspberries and everything else, uh, just get rid of the older canes, the ones that are the biggest. And with the grapes, depending upon uh, how old they are and everything else, you're going to be pruning them back pretty heavy on a, a lot of them. So just you know, keep that in mind. And start watching out just kind of in general because this is a time of year when uh, your fruit trees, if you're growing flowering fruit trees or real fruit trees that are going to produce fruit, as soon as the ground thaws, before any kind of blooming occurs, 
this is a time when you should be uh, fertilizing your fruit trees. So, again, the crab apples, the regular apples, the peaches, the cherry trees and everything else, they like to be fertilized early in the season, which you go, huh? That doesn't really make sense. Well, that's just kind of the the way the situation is. And if you want to... uh, you know, just get do some pruning and make it so your, let's say, your apple trees or your pear trees, if you have that, or your peaches. So basically, some of the varieties of, you know, fruits, you want to have it so they're more or less like a flame, like a candle flame. But other ones, you want to have like an upside-down umbrella to get the maximum amount of fruit production out of them. So do a little bit of research. You can go to the University of Missouri Extension Service on pruning deciduous fruit trees. And it'll tell you exactly what you should be doing for your particular, you know, variety. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I'm going to complain about uh, something that I saw quite frequently. Tracy and I were out and a lot of people were shoveling, and that's great. They were, But they were pushing the snow from their driveways and walks and stuff out into the street. Now, I, I'm assuming they're thinking, well, there's going to be a lot of traffic, and the traffic, the cars and everything will squash the snow and, and eliminate it. That is not necessarily the case because we live on a slight slope. It's not a really a steep slope, but it got so slippery on Thursday night I watched how many cars try to go up the hill past our house, and they could not make it. And we weren't pushing snow out into the street or anything else, but when people do that, it can get compacted. And then the way this weather has been, it refreezes it and makes it really super slippery. So that is not the best thing to do. You go, well, I don't know what to do with the snow. Well, just pile it back up into your yard. I mean, don't push it out into the street expecting some, and especially if you're in a residential area. I mean, some of these other areas, the major inner, you know, major streets and stuff, they do have snow plows and salts and things like that. But on residential streets to push the snow into the street, I want to almost stop and say, don't do that. But it's not my place to do. Adrian, how are you today? Oh, hi, Mike. Hi. I'm fine. I've got uh, something to respond to the lady with the Mandevilla uh-huh. vine. I have a, a Mandevilla that I bought some almost 30 years ago. Whoa! Yeah, and it's a pink one, and I just leave it in the pot, and every fall before we have a frost, I drag it into the basement and set it by a window and water it mm, once a month, and I cut it back before I bring it in. Uh-huh. And I have just brought that plant out every year, all these years. And so it is doable unless they've changed how they grow them and now they don't last. I don't know, but mine is that old. And also on amaryllis, I was given an amaryllis bulb again, like that many years ago. Mm -hmm. And at first I would let it bloom in the house, but it got too tall. So now I just keep it in a dark spot until, oh, maybe starting to warm. It's not even warming up yet, but I've moved it into the basement. And uh, I have had blooms and given away 
countless of these amaryllis bulbs because if you put them in the ground, they divide. Right. So this, too, is very old. So with just a little bit of care, these plants will winter over here. Yeah, that sounds perfect. A lot of times people do too much and cause more problems by overdoing rather than underdoing like you did. Now, if you had a mandevilla vine from 30 years ago, you must have been the first person in St. Louis to have one because they really haven't been around that long being sold as a you know tropical house plant. So I was, and I thought they were very pretty, and they were expensive at right. that time. Yes. So I thought, well, I'm just going to see if I can keep this, and then kept it one year and kept it two years and still keeping it. Well, that sounds perfect. Yeah, so that that was helpful. And also, I have a question for you. I want to plant some of the uh, milkweed plants. I know they're not attractive, but I want to encourage the monarch butterflies. Mm -hmm. My question is, do I start in the spring with a plant, or how do I get started on this? I you know, probably what I would do is I'd get the soil prepared, and then before you bought any plant or any seed, and I do a combination of, you know, if you can find the plants of wildflower plants, go ahead and get, you know, a couple plants, but also get some seed so you can have a combination of both. And then you can make sort of an evaluation on which you were most satisfied with. The seed is going to take a couple, you know, a couple years to get mature enough that it's going to actually produce anything that's going to be attractive to the monarchs. But the plant will give you more or less instant gratification potential. Well, then, if I have some friends who have grown this and they have stray plants, because I know they replant themselves quite a lot, right? could I just put some of those plants in? Absolutely. Okay, good. I think that's the way I'll go because, you know, three or four years is a long time when you get old. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, So, okay, is. and i uh, been listening to you. Since the beginning, Mike. Wow. And you've been teaching me new things all the time. So thanks a lot. Well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, three or four years from now, I'll be 75 years old <laughs> myself. Oh, you're so a child. <laughs> 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 okay. So, Best to you. Yeah, same to you. Yeah, thanks. Bye. And if you live in an area, you know, where deer are problematic, realize that this is the time of year where the females are going to be pregnant. And so once they're pregnant, they're going to be eating a lot more plant material. They're going to be a lot more hungry. So just watch out for your arborvitae, your azaleas, your rhododendrons, uh, mountain ash, chestnuts, pecans, all types of fruit trees, and, you know, any kind of fruit-bearing plants. And if, you're, if the deer start, you know, coming into your landscape and causing problems with eating your plant material, uh, you got to deter them. So using... Uh, Irish Spring Soap, some people you know, have called in and said they use mothballs. Irish Spring Soap, hanging it, that's the smell is really something to do. You can deter them from coming and stop them from doing, you know, coming back into your landscape. Let's head over to Marie's yard. Hi, Marie. Hello, Marie. Marie, are you there? Nope, I guess not. And let's go over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have a question about apples and growing them from seed. Somebody told me that if you took like a red delicious apple and took the seeds out and planted them, it would grow, but you'd never get fruit. Is is that right? Am I Pretty wasting much. my time or should I just buy a tree? Yeah, I just buy a tree. Growing it from seed, you may get, you know, you're talking about probably th- depending upon what, you know, what type of uh, tree it came off of. 
but any place between probably 20 to 25 years before it's going to be big enough and mature enough to actually oh, wow. produce. Yeah. So it's a long, long, long time. Okay. I thank you for the information. Sure. My pleasure. All righty. Bye. Yeah. The production nurseries, what they do is they take cuttings. They don't grow them from seed themselves either. So they take cuttings from existing trees. They use a rooting hormone and things like that. You're going to cut the time a little bit, but still you're talking about a considerable you know, decade or two decades before you're going to get any kind of fruit, and it's only going to be a small amount of fruit. So uh, when you buy a tree, realize, too, depending upon what type you get, if you get a semi-dwarf, a dwarf, or a standard-sized tree, the standard-sized trees are going to take longer to start producing fruit the semi-dwarfs and dwarfs are going to take less time, but still you're looking at a considerable amount of time when you buy you know, a tree from a production nursery. So let's head over to Joan's yard. She lives in South City. Hi, Joan. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, my son-in-law has a tree that I call it an umbrella tree, and the there's one branch that's going straight up. It's not turning down like the rest. Ooh. Um, are you supposed to cut that off? Yes. I mean, it's probably 10 feet tall. Yeah, he should cut that off. What that is is, you know, the weeping trees basically are three different trees that have been grafted together. The root system, the trunk, and then the top that has a weeping quality to it. And what this is, this branch is shooting straight up, is coming, you know, off the trunk, which is below where the weeping aspect, weeping branches are. And what that is is that trunk is not a weeping-type plant. So that's why it's sending it up straight like what you're seeing. Okay. And when should you do that? He can really pretty much do it anytime he wants to. Okay. Great. And definitely you got to stop, you know, prevent that. You can't prevent it from happening, but as soon as you start seeing it, go ahead and cut it because it really kind of, that's like robbing the let's say the weeping part of the tree of the nutrients and everything because it's on the way up from the root system you know that's sending up nutrients and moisture and it's robbing the weeping part of the tree of the nutrients and moisture that should be headed in that direction okay that's great thank you so much sure my pleasure bye and uh folks speaking of pruning if he's going to prune that make sure that if you're going to do any kind of pruning on any kind of plant material that you clean your tools first, whether you're using, he's probably going to use a hand pruner, I would think, but uh, a lopper would be probably a little bit difficult. So a hand pruner, and if you've got extended, you know, really long, let's say she said this was 10 feet long, I'd probably cut it off, you know, maybe halfway down before I made the final cut at the trunk where it's coming out, you know, just below the weeping part. And just, you know, dip them in a, a combination of water and bleach, you know, as even if they don't have any diseases or anything else, just to kind of keep everything as clean as possible because that's going to be to the advantage of the plant material. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The garden centers are going to start getting the plant material in real soon. Some of them may be even starting to get some of the uh, bulbs in early or the, let's say, seed potatoes or the onion sets or all that other kind of stuff. And let's say me, 
I don't like onions at all, but sometimes I just get a couple an onion set just to grow them because they start germinating pretty darn quick. So just to have a little bit of greenery and window boxes and things like that. Then when the real plant material comes in, I dump those onions. And uh, But I enjoy just watching some greenery because it is a little bit boring right now. When you look out, I'm looking out, I'm seeing Soldier Memorial to our left, which would be towards the south. And then straight out from us, there's a park area. And there is not one evergreen in this park. Everything is just you know deciduous. And, oh, I mean, yes, it's great when they're leafed out and everything else or fall color or whatever it happens to be. But just uh, right now, they, you know, I mean, logs and logs and logs and stems and branches and everything else. So, uh, but uh, this is a, you really got to get, you know, your sort of thought process together because it, this is nothing really out of the ordinary. But uh, as far as wintertime goes, but if you can hit it, you know, let's say on the run, it's going to be to the advantage of your landscape just kind of in general. And uh, I've seen several, you know, tree services in our neighborhood. The city is taking a lot of the ash trees out, if not all of them. And I've, I saw somebody going up and talking to the, the tree service. And they were chipping the branches up and everything else. And I talked to them. They were a neighbor. And I talked to them a little bit later. And I said, what, you know, what were you talking to them about? And they said, well, I was wondering if they were going to offer any of those chips, you know, from the tree. And I said, well, it's not to you. You shouldn't really be using those. So in other words, mulch is not just something that's freshly ground up or something like that. There's a whole process to get the mulch so it's properly done so it's not going to cause problems with your landscape. Because really raw, in other words, brand new wood from chips or something, uh, when you put it on top of the ground, it binds up nutrients, it can absorb moisture, it can cause way more problems than what you possibly might uh, think there could be. So if you're heading out and you've got some ideas on plant material and things like that, always make sure that the variety of plant material that you're planning on using, uh, check it mature size-wise. So that's going to help you decide where the best place to plant this plant. Because so often, so many callers through the years, uh, you know, have said, well, you know, this plant is overgrowing the space where I had planned it and or planted it. And so consequently, look at mature size. And hopefully if you plant the plant correctly, it's going to grow. It's going to get mature. And then consequently, it's going to make it uh, so you have more problems than what you're going to have as good. So the hardy plant material, you can actually start some seeds if you want to, some petunias and things like that. Hmm. Uh, it's a lot of work to grow things from seed, but uh, there's no, I mean, it can be done. It's just a pretty involved process. So you've, you've got to have some bottom heat and everything else like that. Let's see if we can get Bill in before we got to go to the top of the hour. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. The person that was worried about their water freezing in 77 and 78 when it was such bad weather, my old neighbor came over to see how we were doing, and I said, uh, well, we don't, we're doing okay. And he went over to the faucet and said, yeah, you are doing okay. You haven't lost your water yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a lot tougher, in the, I guess, in, the, in those winters. But I have a, I have a question. I have my rhubarb mulched. 
When should I remove the mulch? I would probably wait for another couple weeks. Okay. And uh, just, you know, and she, because we don't know, it may have emerged into the mulch just a little bit. And so if you pull the mulch back and we get a sort of a, you know, just a cold snap, it could damage the foliage. So I would say wait f- probably, oh, maybe to the 1st of March, you know, okay. just two weeks or so, then you should be okay doing it. As the old man used to say, there was, he had more time than money anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to stay safe, and I'm sure you didn't wear shorts today to work. Oh, yes, I have had nothing but shorts on, so. Well, you're you're my idol then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, you know a couple of days when I did take a walk, uh, it was like, oh, but uh, you know my face is exposed. I do wear gloves. I wear coats and everything else. But uh, my knees, you know, for the last twenty years have not been, uh, you know, they've been exposed to all the weather, regardless of what it happens to be. So that's kind of how it is. Let's see. I don't know if we can get. Edward, can you do it kind of quick? Yeah, so I got a Japanese. I have a Japanese maple. I'm trying to uh, see how late I can trim it. It's uh, faces the north side of the building, so it gets plenty of shade, and it's uh, really overgrown. Ooh, uh, I would say do the pruning if you're going to do it now. You could do it any time before the new growth starts emerging from the bu- from the buds, or you can wait. I don't know if you got to get it pruned ASAP. Or wait until summertime because I always advise people, beaches, birches, maple trees, pruning in the summertime, you get a little less sap flow. So that's sort of the advantage. But you can prune it, uh, you know, just do it before the new growth begins. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's really to the kind of the advantage. And if you've got a Japanese maple that's overgrown the space, you know, that's kind of neat. Because they are really spectacular. And hopefully... You know, my favorite ones are the ones that have the maroon color leaves through the entire season. And there's so many different varieties of Japanese maples. Some of them, the leaves will come out green, and then they'll turn maroon, and then they'll go back to green. Some of them will come out, you know, maroon, and through the whole growing season, they'll have that, you know, that dark red color. So variety-wise, that's another thing. If you've got a specific, you know, thought process in mind— do some checking before you actually head out to the garden center and buy them. Or you can just ask the garden center staff, will this variety hold the color, you know, as it emerges? Some of them come out green and stay green. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome. Uh, the tip of the trial hour, I'll be giving it shortly, but right now you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly. Yes. So what are you looking forward to when you get off today? Shoveling uh, snow? I might, I might, because, see, Sue hasn't been out of the house much because it's been so cold and snowy, and so we're hoping I can, I can clear a path to the car. But, boy, there's a lot of snow between the door and the car. <laughs> so I'm hoping it, it starts melting here pretty soon. It Probably with that sun beating down on it, it should, you know, pretty soon. But, yeah, but just got to get outside and enjoy some sunshine and a little warmer temperatures. Really looking forward to Tuesday 
which is my Sunday, and it's going to be really nice out, so we're kind of looking forward to that for sure. All right. Have well, you done it. much shoveling? Uh, not yet. Yeah? You know, Tracy likes to do a little bit, so mm-hmm. I let her go ahead and do the first phase. Such a then... gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> And so then I'll do the, you know, after mm-hmm. the show today, I'm going to head home and do some yeah. shoveling and stuff. Try to clear the street, too, because it's really, oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of nasty as far as parking-wise and mm-hmm. everything else. And we're on a slight slope, so if you're oh. parked on that slope and you start to take off and you're trying to go, you're headed towards uphill. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, they do a great job on our street out in the country. We It's usually cleared pretty quickly. And then I have a neighbor that comes over with his tractor and takes care of the driveway. So. Wow. I had to I had to shovel some, but last weekend it was it was light. Right. When I shoveled, and you know after the big snow it wasn't very heavy. You could snow a whole sh- you know shovel full. You could push it out of the way. But I think now that it's melting a little bit, it's going to be a little heavier. <laughs> nice. Yes. But you like to lift weights anyway. Well, I need the workout for sure. <laughs> Great. Yes. Well, thanks. And folks, thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection. Cares for ups and downs and all arounds of annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly from my perspective. And uh, it's offered for you. And across the big board is Alex. He's producing. He answers the phone, so just your first name and where you're calling from is all he needs from you. During the week, I spend time and on weekends of doing walk and talks where I come to your home and take a look at aesthetic and problem solving of your landscape. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. That's my email address and phone number. And you can contact me and we'll set up a time where I can come and share 40 plus years of experience with uh, you related to your landscape design, plants, care, and maintenance. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As we head out, now, you're going to have to contact these individual, you know, plant societies. I don't know how with all this, you know, you can't meet, you can't do this, you can't do that, if the garden clubs are still meeting or not. But uh, two really good garden clubs to think about this time of year is the Jeffco Irish Society and the Kirkwood Irish Society. Because, you know, the Irish, the flags, I mean, yes, they're not the classic type thing, but, I mean, they are so striking and spectacular. So if you have an interest in any kind of plant material, you can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and just look at all the different garden clubs, and you can contact them and see how they're doing and what they're doing in relationship to, uh, you know, this crazy stuff about social distancing and, you know, can we meet, can we not meet. My thinking is maybe they're not even meeting, but uh, who knows, maybe they are, and you just, I just, I, I can't quite figure this whole thing out. It's just, it's too wild and crazy how they're still, you know, have, I don't know if it's happening throughout the metropolitan area, but large parts of parks are just blocked off. Like, what? I mean, I don't quite understand what that's supposed to do. So keeps people from congregating, but still, it's just anyway enough of that stuff. So anyway, the tip of the trial goes out to the various garden clubs, and like I said, there's two different iris ones. There's herbs. There's all daffodil society. But just go to mobot, M-O-B-O-T dot org, and just check out for all the plant societies. 
And uh, let's try to get a call or two in before we take a break. Let's start off with Robert. Hi, Robert. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, last year was my first pruning on about a 10-year-old uh, peach tree. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you said take off no more than a third of the, the whatever you're trimming back, right? Right. Um, well, that I did, but boy, it came back with a vengeance. And now what I pruned is it's right back up there where it was last year, or maybe even a little more. What uh, What do you recommend for this year? I would just, you know, if the new growth is not going to really be productive, I would say eliminate at least a pretty good percentage of the new growth and then try to you know keep the older mature growth because that's the you know what's going to really start the fruit production the new growth is not going to really produce any fruit for a couple of years okay excellent uh, appreciate that very much Thanks, Certainly. Mike. my pleasure and uh let's head from robert's yard over to brenda's yard hi brenda <clears throat> hello hi hi mike um, I just have a question. I just received a gift of an anthurium for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it in a nice sunny room. I read about it a little bit, and I know that's fine. I know I'm not supposed to water it every day. It says that they might like to be misted every day. I wondered if it would be a good idea or a bad idea just to bring it into the bathroom to get it some steam or is that a bad idea <laughs> oh you could do that but that's a lot of work i mean the whole misting and humidity and everything else if you have a humidifier in your yeah, home i read that i just didn't know if i wanted to do all get a humidifier just yeah. for that so you could do that but you may have a humidifier on your furnace that's you know putting an adequate amount of moisture into the air so i wouldn't be overly concerned about uh you know, steaming or misting or anything like that. It's not going to make that huge of a difference. Okay. I didn't know. I just thought if I just brought it in there and set it in the bathroom while a couple of times a week, but then I didn't know if it was bad to do that. No, I mean, you can do it if you want to. It's just, you know. Yeah, it's not big. It's a little plant. Oh, well, I then didn't... certainly go ahead and do it. And uh, I'm sure you have a window in your bathroom. You could even leave it in the bathroom window. I don't, but. That's oh, okay. Really? I can just carry it back out into the sunny room. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Okay. Well, thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And right, now let's head over to Joanne's. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I got a question for you, of course. Um, I have a magnolia tree. It's about four years old now. And I would like to trim off the bottom branches because I, I, don't, I want it to look more emptied at the bottom. Sure. Um, so... When do I do that? Uh, it all depends. Now, uh, have you looked at the end of the branches? Are they budded so they're going to have flowers on them? Uh, you mean those ones on the bottom? Yeah. Oh, I don't really care if they do or not. Well, I'm uh, just saying if you wanted to have the maximum amount of flowering this year, what you can do is I'm assuming this is a you know a spring flowering variety as opposed to a summer blooming. Is that correct? Uh it blooms in the summer, too. Okay. So, well, then, uh, basically, then you could really go ahead and do any kind of pruning you want to. Just get it done before. You're probably better off to get it done before any kind of new growth begins. Or oh, re-emerges. okay. Then I can do it now, then. Yeah. Huh? Okay, super. Thank you very much, Mike. Have a blessed day. Sure. Yeah, limbing Bye-bye. up trees is uh, a lot of people like that. They don't like the lower branches. They just like to see, you know, the trunks and everything else. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Here in the studio, we have a humidifier going, and uh, it was my understanding it's not for the people. In other words, you know, Alex, me, Brian, whoever comes into the studio, the humidifier is here for the equipment. (laughs) But it's puffing away, so it's... uh, Adding, we've, it feels like the tropics in here. <laughs> I, I've never, as long, I've only been doing this, you know, 25 plus years or something. I've never been in a situation where they've had a humidifier in the studio because of the equipment. So shows that I don't know what in the world I'm doing. So let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hey, Mike. Hi. Um, you might remember me. I, I called a couple years ago. I had bought a farm uh, out by Paris, Missouri, and I had a giant bone pile there, and I talked to you about what I would do with the grass on that. Well, I I bulldozed all the bones and put them in big dumpsters and had it all hauled off, and it turned out grass and clover, and it turned into a beautiful field. Perfect. So you helped me with that, and I, I just have one more thing. I have a lake on this farm and i want to take and plant some maple trees on the one side because the sun just beats down there's no trees on the side of this lake where you would sit the fish um in the fall i marked some maple trees with some ribbon to kind of trans dig up and transplant over by that um lake and i would like to know when would be the best time to do that and how far from the lake should i plant them trees uh, do you know what kind of maples they are? I think they're like silver and red maples. Okay, they're just different ones. So then, probably I would, you know, my tendency you're you're planting for a very specific reason, but I would say I wouldn't put them any closer than twenty feet to the lake. You know, twenty feet to the lake. Yeah, and, and then how how far apart from each other should they be? Probably close to that. And what that's going to do is just allow for maturity. Then they're going to enter branch, but it's still going to be several years before that you know before that actually happens. Right, they're about I don't know they're about four to six feet tall. Yeah, them, so basically you can how, dig them up. You know, this time of year, any time before the new growth begins, as long as the ground is not frozen. You know, and have the spot kind of, you know, with either landscape paint or something, the dots where you're going to stick them in and just get them planted as soon as you possibly can. Because this is a time of year where garden centers are going to have bare root trees and, you know, fruit trees and other things. So it's a good time to do it. Okay, so just wait till it melts down a little bit and then go ahead and uh, do it then. Right, exactly. Okay, thank you, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Oh, hey, Mike. Sorry, I had a, a piece of waffle in <laughs> Oh, anyway, Mike, I was going to ask you a question about a maple I've had for over 30 years. And um, it's beginning to shed some of the smaller little branches. And I was wondering, what can I do to reinforce its growth a little bit? Should I feeding something or do something for it that I'm not doing. Can you help me out? Well, just, you know, shedding small branches on a 30-year-old tree is not something that's, you know, really all that dramatic or traumatic to the tree. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you don't need to worry about it. If you want to do anything, 
my re- recommendation would be feed your soil. So in other words, do deep root feeding where you have somebody come in or you can do it yourself with an electric drill and an earth auger, which is a big drill bit, you know, auger holes, and then right. you backfill those holes with compost. I see. I have a tree service coming in whenever they can get in. So could I ask them to do that for me? Sure. Would... Just tell, you know, tell them it's deep root feeding. And what they do is they should start about halfway out from the trunk to the extension okay. of the branches, start arguing holes, then go out two more feet and then auger some more holes and then two more feet, two more feet. So, you know, fertilizing, I, you know, I don't really recommend that for tr- overall tree health. So I think feeding the soil this way is better than fertilizing. They're a tree service. If they say we want to do the fertilizing, that's obviously their business, and they, they can certainly do that. But uh, the earth augering is just something that I've, I started doing when I worked at the Botanical Garden, and I've kind of stuck with that kind of concept, you know, basically professionally ever since then. And so, okay. but it's just my personal opinion. Okay. Well, I take that very seriously. <laughs> so, anyway, I will uh, ask them about earth augering and see what they can do to help. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And Bye-bye. See you later. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got some phone lines open, so if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, go ahead and give us a call. Uh, start watching out for... You know, your spring-blooming shrubs, the forsythia is not going to be necessarily the first thing that blooms. Witch hazel, witch hazel should be probably the first thing that's going to be blooming in your landscape if you happen to have witch hazel. And uh, people don't know what a witch hazel is. It's kind of, you know, it's an oddball shrub. It's kind of, let's say, rugged and, you know, I don't want to say rugged and ragged looking, but uh, that's kind of the circumstance with it. So if you want something that's blooming basically this time of year, Witch hazel. There's multiple types of witch hazel. There's some from the Orient. There's some from, you know, native to here. So just kind of take a look at that particular plant. Hamamelis is its botanical name. But witch hazel, if you just put that in and do a search for that. Let's head over to Sherry's yard. Sherry, how are you? Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, we have um, a mimosa tree that we planted about five years ago. Ah. And... It bloomed the second year after we had it, but since then it will not bloom. And I don't know if we're doing something. Do we need to do something to it to get it grows and it's getting bigger, but it just will not get any flowers on it. Yeah, why it bloomed in the second year, that's kind of unusual, to be honest with you. So usually it's going to take them several years before they're really mature enough, and probably for the overall health of the tree, it's to their advantage not to flower when they're younger because flowering stresses plant material, and especially a tree that's, you know, mimosa, which is kind of, you know, exotic, tropical, and everything else. But uh, Mm -hmm. I would say it's just going to be a matter of time more so than anything. Okay. So that's not unusual for it to to not not bloom right now yet. (laughs) Exactly. So (laughs) does it have multiple branches, or is it still just one long stem coming up out of the ground? Uh, no, it has it has multiple branches. Yeah, okay. and it, it's it's getting bigger and the trunk's getting bigger, so it's thriving. Um, it just surprised us that you know it bloomed that one year, but then it hasn't since. So, yeah, 
the, probably the second year, I mean, that may have, you know, because a lot of times production nurseries are going to, let's say, do things to the soil that kind of encourage plants to, you know, flower to make mm-hmm. it so people understand what they are. So there may be a little bit of that left, you know, in the soil that that plant, that mimosa came with. So that may have caused this sort of out-of-sequence bloom. So how old are they typically when they do start blooming? You're probably looking at uh, maybe, you said it's five years old? Yes. Yeah, you're probably looking at four or five more years before you're going to start to see many, many flowers at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. So. Okay, well, thanks so much. Yeah, but I mean, it's great to see the flowering, and that's what we grow them for, and then you get to see the pods. But still, just that kind of exotic tropical look is kind of wonderful. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yes. All right, thanks so much for taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. All right, bye. And, yeah, mimosa tree, my grandmother. We grew up in uh, Maple Lane in Ellisville, and my grandmother lived right across the street, and she had a mimosa tree and I don't know exactly how she knew about mimosas or if her husband did, my step-grandfather, but uh, their mimosa was massive. It was huge, and uh, it was, like, I mean, unbelievably neat to see something like that because I had no idea even what it was as a kid. And I, they probably knew and they may have told us, but uh, to see summertime bloom on a plant material, a tree like that, and have that exotic Let's say feathery look, hmm, really kind of neat. Let's head out to Wentzville and go into Shirley's yard. Hi, Shirley. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have a a blue spruce. It's about eight or nine feet tall, probably. It's been in the ground about uh, just four years, maybe. But the backside of it, which faces uh, wood, um, is not doing hardly anything. And the rest of it, the shape is growing terribly. It's it just, you know, some limbs are growing way to the side. Some of them are not growing at all, seems like. And about uh, two-thirds of the way up, it's not as in diameter. It's not as big around as the rest of it, you know, toward the bottom. And then there's a, a toward the top, it has um, gotten larger. What's wrong with it? Also, the color is terrible. <laughs> Well, how close is, is it to the woods? Uh, it's probably uh, 10, 10 feet, maybe. Yeah, that's probably what the problem is. Part of it is a shade factor, you know, created by the woods. Part of it is the root system of the trees from the woods coming out and competing with it. And a part of it is, you know, another part of it could be related to they, I mean, they do fine here, but for the most part, they really want to have a very super well-drained soil in full sun. And if there's not getting that kind of circumstance, then the growth that you're experiencing, I'm not saying it should happen you know, all the time that much, but that's what it is. It's all related to exposure and soil type as much as anything else. It only gets sun from probably about 12 o'clock. Uh, during the summer, right, and it's on a slope, so that part is okay. But how can I can I trim it to you know, to shape it? Uh, it's not going to make much difference. You could go ahead and, and try it, but uh, Destiny's probably already set by just the location it's planted in. Okay, not much hope. Huh? No, oh, I mean but- I go ahead and prune it because then I mean two years from now you can call back and say, Well see, you didn't know what you're talking about. This turned out great. But for the most part that's not gonna be the case. It's just gonna be a lot of work and a lot of effort on your part and it's not gonna make much difference at all. 
Okay, what fertilizer do I use on that? Uh, again, fertilize the soil with the you know with putting compost into the soil. But you want to use a fertilizer if you want to do some fertilizing. One for acid-loving plants. Acid, okay. Yeah, because any kind of evergreen needs acid soil. And if your soil, you don't have, I mean, you probably haven't had a soil test necessarily, so you don't even know what the soil pH is. So it may be even alkaline circumstance. It may be acidic, but still use an acid-based fertilizer. Okay, and to trim it, how do I do on each one of those little limbs? Just, you know, whatever part that you don't necessarily like, just go ahead and cut that off. But realize sometimes when you cut an evergreen, the tip of it off then it doesn't have the ability or the strength or whatever to produce new new growth from that point. Okay. So that's what your your the liability is when you do some pruning is you're cutting off let's say if it was an area that had no needles on it at all, then I'd say definitely it's a dead branch just cut it out. But if it's still got growth on the tips, I would say be real cautious about doing any pruning. All right. Thanks. Thank you much. Sure. Enjoy my pleasure. Show. Yep. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And if you do have a question and concern, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Uh, good morning, uh, Mike. Uh, I've got a question regarding uh, zinnias. I'm interested in uh, starting some zinnia seeds inside. And my question is this. Uh, I've got a uh, a grow light and heat pad and all that. But uh, how long should I leave the, uh, the sproutings in this grow light? Uh, arrangement. I wouldn't start the seeds too early because you don't want them to elongate too much. If they start stretching out, they're not going to be that successful. Uh, I would say probably you're not going to be able to move them outside, you know, I mean, realistically until uh, mid to late April. So probably about uh, 30 days or so before that, then I would start the seeds at that point. Okay. I've got the seeds already. It says, uh, there's not too much information except it says uh, uh, plant after the uh, last frost. Right. That's if you're planting them directly outside. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So. But but you're saying about uh, three or four weeks inside. Yeah, that's that should be adequate. They should germinate, especially because you have bottom heat and you have everything that you should have. You should see the germination. I would say within uh, a week at the most. They'll okay. start germinating. Then they'll have the cotyledon, which is the the first, let's say, unplant-like f- leaves that come out. And then the second set of leaves should start looking like zinnia leaves. Okay, very well. Thank you very much. Sure. And now let's head over to Marilyn's. Marilyn, how are you? Yes, I'm good, Mike. Very good. I have a question uh, about um, spice bush, Lindera benzoan. Um, I was thinking of planting one this spring, and it. I want to make sure I get some fruit on the bush. So um, how do I do that? Would, is it best in full sun or part sun? I think it's going to do better in full sun. Even though it can handle a part shade, part sun circumstance, 
you're just going to get, you know, much better production out of it, you know, in a full sun circumstance. And it's going to be a little bit of while, it's going to be a little while before you're going to start to see. You might see flowers right at first, but uh, it's not going to be as dramatic as when the thing starts getting maturity. So you're looking at probably three years or so before you're going to really start to get a real good show out of them. Okay. Um, what about the male and female um, types? Do you need both or No, no you really shouldn't. You know, so... Okay. I mean, uh, th- that's not one that I consider that's necessary. If the variety that you're getting, maybe you do need it. But if that's the case, what you would do is get one small male, like a one-gallon male, and then get a larger yeah. female and plant them just together. That way you don't have one shrub separate that's never going to have flowers on it and another one that does have the flowers. And that You're guaranteed the pollination from the male. Okay. Um, so the nursery would be able to tell me male or female? or Yeah, it should, a tag should tell you. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Great. Thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And now mm-hmm. let's head from Maryland's over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Good morning. Good morning. Enjoy your show. I got one question here. I would like to burn my decorative grass, but it's got a hibiscus bush right in front of it, and I don't want to harm any of the new grass that was just sown. Don't you think it would be good to burn now before the snow leaves? <laughs> well, so, so in other words, you have a, a large clump of ornamental grass and you want to burn it? Is that what you're saying? I was going to burn it down instead of cutting it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess you could do that. Uh, you know, I mean, I would just be a little bit, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to create big flames or anything like that. I wouldn't, you know, I burning it, no, I, I don't could... know how effective it's actually going to be. Oh, okay. I just thought that might be work. Yeah, work out. <laughs> you could try it, but uh, usually that's not going to be the case because uh, you're going to have to. I don't know how you. It's how you're going to, you know, light it, ignite it, keep it going. Uh, it's just, it's you know, it, it's new grass. It's not very uh, tall. It's not yeah. great. Uh, you could give it a try and give me a call. And let me know. But I, uh, I wouldn't. I just, you know, I, I'm not really positive on thinking it's going to be the the best way to go about doing it. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, in theory you can do it, but uh, and I know you live in Illinois, so you can't have open burning. Where if you lived in Missouri, you can't do that. But uh, so good luck with that. Okay, thank you. Sure, and let's head over to Ted's yard. Ted, how are you? Hey, doing fine. How are you, Mike? Good. So, hey, I'm taking an area in my yard. It's a south-facing yard. It is uh, an area about 15 by 20, 15 by 25, something like that. And I just want to put a lot of mixed plantings and stuff like that. And I was wondering, do cactus, will they survive in this environment? Oh, yeah. I mean, not the classic cactus, not the saguaro or whatever, you know, the one, the big arms or things like that, but opuntia, O-P-U-N-T-I-A. It's, you know, it's more or less looks like a paddle. And uh, they do really well. There's all kinds of succulents that do well as, you know, here as well. Okay. And what about soil? If I'm going to have an area and, you know, I want to mix those in, are, the, are they going to, is the soil going to act right with them and like other plant things, you know, just some flowering plants, some annuals, things like that? Uh, you got to just watch out because the annuals and fertilizing and everything else, if they're too close, you can cause problems for the cactus watering okay. as well. So just... 
make sure that you kind of keep the cactus or succulents or whatever kind of somewhat separate from the other one. Also, it needs they're going to need a much better, as far as drainage goes, soil than what the, any kind of annual perennial or anything else that you might grow in that space. Okay, cool. Okay, you've been very helpful. Thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, the Apuntia... I mean, they keep going and going and going, and they're—I mean—the flowering is spectacular. But they, yeah, I mean, an ideal spot would be someplace along uh, a driveway or a sidewalk or something like that. From the standpoint of the heat radiating from the pavement, I've seen a lot of people have great success around the base of their mailbox, you know, because the mailbox is out on the street. So, if you do have any questions or concerns, three one four. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, depending upon how much snow that you got, it takes about 8 inches of snow to equal about 1 inch of moisture. So this year really has been somewhat dry, but this the snow will really help. And now they're talking about uh, rain coming as well. So that's going to be to the advantage of the plant material. Let's head over to Ann's yard. Ann, how are you? Oh, hello. Hi. That was quick. Yes. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to follow up on that ornamental grass um, question that the lady had. Mm-hmm. We have that, too. We have like five uh, clumps of that in our yard, and they are about five to six feet tall. Right. And when we cut those down, it is just a bear. Do you have any suggestion of how to do it? It's in the landscaping area. Basically, what I would do is I'd get some bungee cords and wrap the bungee cords around them and put the bungee cords at about, uh, oh, let's say halfway up, whatever, t- however tall they are. So wrap them real tight and then take a hedge trimmer. And then what you want to do is leave about uh, four to six inches. So you want to go up four or six inches and just use a hedge trimmer and cut them all the way around. The bungee cord will keep them from just kind of falling apart. And that way you can move the whole big bundle from each individual clump, you know. And then is there any way of thinning those out besides just digging down to China to get the roots out? <laughs> well, it depends upon the you know the variety. A lot of some of the varieties, like Miscanthus, what they are, they're clump growers. So in other words, maiden grass. And what they do is migrate out away from the center where they originally planted. So they'll never yeah. get any new growth out of the center. Hmm. Well, if you chopped them in half, I mean, you know, down and just let half of it grow, would it be weird? <laughs> well, not necessarily. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what a lot of people have to do. If they get tired, it's migrated too far away from the original spot. They dig it up, chop it, and then, you know, move back the part that's still viable that's producing the blades back into the center where, the, you know, where they originally wanted the plant. Okay. All right. Well, they're a pain, but they're really pretty. (laughs) But now is an okay time to do it, isn't it? We usually do it a little earlier, but the snow got us. Yeah, no, you're fine to do it now. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, with the ornamental grasses, it's kind of like anything. uh, You know, getting everything cleaned up and cleared up before new growth begins is going to be always to the advantage of the majority of plant material. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And Molly, we're going to have to talk to you after this break. So Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, the most expensive part of your landscape is your lawn. 
And so you want to stay ahead of the game if you possibly can, because once there's some problems in your lawn, then to make it so it can recover and you can get the aesthetic value of your lawn can be really a heartbreaking circumstance. So when the weather starts changing, which it's going to, thank goodness, in the next few days, head out there and start looking in your landscape for those cool season weeds that started last August. The henbit, the chickweed, the annual bluegrass, and several other ones. Get those things under control as soon as you possibly can before they start flowering because as soon as they start flowering, then they're going to be dropping the seed and it's just going to perpetuate itself and just create a nightmare over and over and over again. Let's head over to Ed's yard. Ed, how are you? Fine, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Good. Mike, I got uh, a garden of vegetable garden in the backyard and I grow mostly tomatoes and I've had it for about 20 something years. And, uh, I put every spring, I'll put uh, uh, two or three bags of compost and mix it into the soil. But I think I need some calcium or something for the tomatoes, and I was just wondering what kind of calcium I could put down there. You could just get calcium at the garden center. Do they sell calcium just like that in the bags? Yes, they do. Oh, okay. I, I didn't think they did. And also what you can do is if you get a certain type of fertilizer for tomatoes, it's going to have the calcium in it. Yeah. Well, I use a I, I use that uh, Miracle Grow tomato liquid. Yeah. I use that. And now and, it doesn't. That, that has the calcium in it, also, huh? Yeah. I mean, read read the label, but some of them will say you know it has a calcium, which because with tomatoes, lack of calcium causes calls causes something called blossom end rot, and that's yeah. where the bottom yeah, of them get. I've, I've had I've had that before. Right. Too, yeah. So just make sure that the you know that the tomato food that you buy says that it does have the calcium included in the fertilizer. Well, you know, all the years I plant tomatoes, I always used to put um, uh, Epsom salts around the plants and uh-huh. put them in a couple times, and I've always had a good crop. Last year, I figured, well, I'm not going to use Epsom salt, and I had a terrible crop last year. <laughs> and I don't know if that was the reason or not, but. Uh, uh, I, I'm just, you know, which one I miss? I was missing some kind of chemical in that ground. Yeah, it could certainly be that. And the best thing, since it sounds like you really enjoy this, is to get a soil sample and get a soil test done and find out what there is in the ground. That's going to help you make that decision on what you're going to be doing as far as fertilizing or, you know, not doing as far as fertilizing or anything else. Okay, good. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, and okay, the University fine. of Missouri Extension Service, I don't know what part of the area you live in, but they've got a drop-off you know, spot in uh, Kirkwood, so down by the train station in Kirkwood, and uh, also just go to the University of Missouri Extension Service, and you can send the samples directly to them as well. So, And uh, they'll, teach, they'll tell you how, send you information on what you need to do as far as how much soil and where you need to get it from. And other things that you need to be uh, thinking about, too, as far as the weeds go in your lawn, is just your overall health of your lawn. And watching out for, you know, I mean, there are real so many problems related to our lawns, whether it be fungus, whether it be insects. And it's, you know, cool season lawns, yes, but even warm season lawns. Every we're in that transition transitional area, and that makes it so all you know all lawns have a tough time here. And then you add our environment with, like I said, you know the grubs and the chinch bugs and everything else, plus all the funguses related to our you know the humidity that we have. 
it really makes your lawn a very, very tough, you know, thing to, you know, kind of stay on top of. And just uh, get a professional service out. There's no getting around it. And if you see some, you know, something that you don't, why is this happening? I don't quite understand. Head it out, you know, take a sample, you know, into your favorite garden center or get a lawn service out and take a look before the weather really starts warming up. And that way you can get it taken care of. Now, obviously, with the zoysia, it's not going to start growing till the weather starts uh, warming up. But with your cool season lawns, get it taken care of as soon as possible. Find out what it is. Maybe it's nothing that you need to be overly concerned with. Maybe it was a result of some physical thing that had nothing to do with the soil or the plant material or anything else. Also, start watching out uh, You know, when the snow disappears and the ground starts warming up. You can expect your spring flowering bulbs to really start showing some growth pretty darn quick. So it's not going to be instantaneous because the ground is still going to be cold for a couple days. But a few days of warmth of sun and everything else is going to make it so you're going to start seeing crocus for sure. Snowdrops should have, I don't know if they've been blooming yet. And some of the wildflowers, spring beauty is going to start blooming. And that's, you know, we live across the street from Christie Park. And Spring Beauty is spectacular in that park. And Tracy actually had uh, took a picture of the Spring Beauty in uh, Christie Park, and then she had a mask made for me with the uh, actually Spring Beauty shot of uh, Christie Park in it. So it's underneath the trees. Growing up in Ellisville, we had the Spring Beauties underneath our trees there on Maple Lane as well. So there's all kinds of things, whether you planted them or not, that's going to cause some great aesthetic rewards, but again, there's going to be those things that I was talking about, the ones that are problematic weeds. So again, I'm going to mention them. There's a shepherd's purse, there's a rabbit's foot clover, there's a speedwell, there's a prickly lettuce. All those things, you know, are nasty, nasty weeds. And what it does is they compete with your lawn plants and it, it makes your lawn thin. There's no getting around it. So just it's not something that you can just go, oh, well, it's no big deal. But it does, if you want a decent lawn, it's going to be really, really tr- real tough. And like the annual bluegrass thrives under adverse growing conditions like wet or shady areas, compacted soil. So if you don't have a really nice lawn area as far as your soil goes, that's going to make the weed circumstance even worse. Also watch out for some of the other weeds in another couple, probably a month or so, like nutsedge, you know, the nutgrass, that's going to start coming up, and that's, you know, a heartache in its own self. So thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, thank goodness winter's over, I hope. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 